the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. I just want to again say uh, it is amazing. There are so many uh, of you who have learned how to truly put uh, your financial trust in the Lord through the biblical principles of give, save, and spend. Give, save, spend. And, and not just learning about giving and saving and spending, but practicing the tithe. And that's what I talked about last week. If you missed that, please, would you uh, find some time on Facebook, on our website, on iTunes, on YouTube. You can find this teaching from last week where I talked about the tithe. I don't want you to miss that because um, there are actually those who, uh, under the pressure of this culture, are afraid to trust the Lord in this important area of their lives. Uh, Maybe it's the mismanagement of finances that uh, has you in debt and you are in over your head financially, and you're unable to live freely. And may I just say, if that is the case, then this series is for you. Uh, This morning, I want to share the second part of this series, which is called uh, the Freely Series, which is about how to hold loosely to things that are not eternal. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. If you have your app, open up your app. I've got notes for you this morning. Holding loosely to the things that are not eternal. Uh, During World War II, let me go back a moment here. During World War II, there was a family in Holland, a Christian family in Holland, who helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust by concealing them in their home. They actually built false walls and false rooms. And so you'd go into the room and you wouldn't see anything, but it was a false door. And there were literally people hiding in their homes. The, The father, the mother, and both of their daughters were caught and imprisoned in Ravensbrück concentration camp where only one of them survived. Uh, When she was released, the daughter detailed their story, and she called it the hiding place. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that, but when I was a kid, uh, early 70s, that movie came out, and we went and watched it. It was made an amazing movie, but her name was Corey Ten Boom, Corey Ten Boom, and this is what she had to say uh, for us today. Listen to this. Hold loosely to the things of this life. Now, keep in context where she's coming from, okay? This is someone whose mother was murdered, father was murdered, sister was murdered, relatives were murdered, friends were murdered, all in the Nazi Holocaust. And she says this, hold loosely to the things of this life so that if God requires them of you, it will be easy to let them go. Now, that's a profound perspective, again, from where she's coming from. Sometimes I feel like God is having to just pry pry things out of my hand. I I don't know about you, but it's like, that's mine. And I I feel like I'm just white knuckling them, you know, my job, my family, my friends, my finances, other people's approval of me. I'm like, no, I got to hold on. I got to do whatever I got to do to hold on to their approval. I, I need this in my life. And then there are other times where quite honestly, we're holding too loosely How do you hold something too loosely? Well, I'll tell you, when we do, everybody loses. Like when we hold too loosely to our commitments. 
what's happening is people just aren't sure of one another anymore. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll stay married as long as it works, and then when it doesn't work, I won't be married anymore. The same happens uh, every day with our words. The words that we're using, again, loosely, words like sorry or love or, or this one, awesome, right? These words, that we just use these words, but I think we need to understand what those words actually mean if we're going to be using them. Because when we use words loosely, without care, without consideration, we erode trust in the things that we're saying. So let's not squander our words. You know, we need to be sure that we're holding loosely the knowledge that we have, the, the knowledge. We, we sometimes hold our knowledge really tightly of, of the things that we think we know. I like, I, I am absolutely positive this is correct, maybe. Right? I read about it. I, 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 and listen, if we can hold loosely the things that we know for sure, we can more easily let go of it when we realize that we were wrong. You ever have that happen? It's like, I always thought this. A good example would be those who say, and we talked about this last week, that tithing is an Old Testament law, and it's nowhere in the New Testament. I'm like, wow, you need to let go of that. You're holding that a little too tightly. Last week I mentioned it. It's in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Here's what happens. Jesus is talking. He says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're careful. You tithe the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore more important things like justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things, law, justice, mercy, faith, right? Those, these things are really important. Now, clearly, this is not a command. It's not a command, but I'll tell you what, it's probably as close as you're going to get to it being one. Look at the word Jesus uses. He says, you should. That, that word should. It indicates an obligation, a duty, a correctness of action. Yeah, that's something you should do. Tithing. And it has the same importance. I don't care the translation. You can look it up in King James, New American Standard, New International Version, whatever Bible you like to read. Go ahead and read Matthew 23, 23. Jesus in the New Testament says, you should tithe. That's our teacher. Not this pastor, not that pastor, not this, not this belief system. That's Jesus. He's putting, I understand, he's putting the emphasis on the greater things, justice, mercy, faith. But I want you to know, it's not at the exception, right? It's not, it's not the exclusion of tithing. He's saying, I need you to do both. Now, why am I talking about that in this season, quite honestly? And I just got done talking about how generous we have been. I, I want to tell you, as I steward these things, I, I do the admin history of these resources. And on much of those resources, they're coming in and they're going right back out where you've told me to take them. You've told me, send them to this to Africa, send this to Thailand, send this out to, uh, to other places, Venezuela, as I mentioned. But he here's what I'm talking about. In this season, in this season, we're coming to the close of 2020. And I got to tell you, our, our congregation, again, with generosity, but here's where we're missing. I think we're missing the tithe. We're really good at going, oh, there's a need. I'll give to that. But there's, a, there's an ongoing need in our congregation. There's ongoing needs. We, we have ministry happening, children, youth, young adults, men, women. Ministry's happening all the time. 
what we've done to keep this stream live through the pandemic. This all, quite honestly, costs money, and it's all provided for through the tithe. When people say, hey, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says 10% goes back to the church. That, that's the way it was designed. Jesus designed it that way. Uh, way back, even before the law was established. I talked about it last week. But here's what's happening. A, a lot of the money that's coming in is going right back out because that's what we took it for. We, we brought that money in and said, okay, it goes to this missions opportunity. It goes to this designated offering. The reason I'm doing this teaching at this time is because, quite honestly, it's like, what happened to the tithe? People forgot about the normal, regular faithfulness to the things, uh, just the normal things. It's like, oh, we, we took care of this, but what about the things that are happening on a daily basis? And so I just wanted to talk about that because, again, for those who don't tithe, and, and I encourage you to think about it, but I, I want you to ask yourself, what am I scripturally giving to honor God for everything that I have received? There's a lot of things we're supposed to give God. The Bible outlines a lot of things. But what scripturally am I giving back to God because of what I have received from him? The primary topic in the Bible is our finances. It's what is most important to us. If you have not seen the giving reader, I have a giving reader. I put this together several years ago. I encourage you to pick up this giving reader. Please get it in the hard copy. We have those available after service. Get it in the soft copy. It is, at the, it is in your app this morning. If you've never read the giving reader, it's talking about offering our lives to reach a community. If you've never read that, read that. Get a copy of it. Read it. It's in your, it's in your uh, app this morning. But I want you to, either way, hard copy, soft copy, just get a copy, right? But let's get back to this tension, this tension of holding too tightly and learning to hold loosely those things that are not eternal. Watch how Jesus talks about this concept of holding loosely. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Look what he says here. Here's Jesus talking. If you try to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, I can't think of anything more important to hold tightly to than my life, right? But Jesus says, yeah, even that, even that, that needs to be held loosely. And here's why. Because we're just passing through. This, the world's not our home, remember? This is Babylon. And yet, as we found out in this last series, we can live very freely even in captivity, Paul wrote exclusively and a lot, ex extensive writing to the new Christians, those followers of Jesus. But I got to tell you in, in the New Testament, but I got to tell you, it's super relevant to us today. The stuff that he wrote to them, it aligned Christians, and here's, here, here's to a heavenly perspective. Right now, I am working on a series for next year called Get Your Head in the Clouds right? It's about getting a heavenly perspective. Like if I can forget about this, all this stuff that's going on and I can get wrapped up and I can get tied up into the things of this world. But if I all of a sudden put my things on things above, put my thoughts on things above, it can change my perspective. It can change how I see and how those things affect me. So I got a series coming, get your head in the clouds. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's about heaven. It's about getting us to think forward, think looking forward, 
to our days of going home in the next life. But here's what Paul said to the church that's gathering in Asia Minor, right? It's, he's writing to a city called Corinth. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7.31. Look at this. Those who use the things of this world, that's our cars, our dishwashers, our washers and dryers, our houses, right? Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. Here's why. Because this world as we know it, it's passing away. It's all going to be gone. Everything we got, this is all temporary. And you know what? We're not the only ones that are temporary. Everything in the world is temporary. I don't believe anybody can have a desire inside of them unless there is a source that could actually satisfy that desire. See, I crave something because I've seen something, experienced something, tasted something, and I go, I'm craving that right now. It was C.S. Lewis who said this, and it's one of my favorite quotes. C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, well, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. In each of our hearts, there is a deep longing for something more. I believe we are homesick for Eden. We just want to go back to the garden. I wasn't made for this place. This is not what he designed me for. He designed me for intimate relationship with him, to be in his presence. And so I say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Unfortunately, though, we gravitate towards sin. I do. We look for pleasure in all the sugar-coated options that the world has to offer. We look for satisfaction only to wind up empty-handed. It's like, but then when we turn to Jesus, we find that this world is never going to satisfy. Not not like God can satisfy. And and I want to give you five reasons why. Open up your app. These are notes for you today. Here's the first one. This world is temporary. This world is temporary. I'm telling you, the so-called happiness is here today, gone tomorrow. But there is a true joy that lasts even beyond our time here on earth. Everything that we're pursuing, all the things that we're chasing after that are from this world are going to disappear before we know it. Now, I mentioned it before, but here's what John has to say. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. This world is fading away along, here it comes, with everything that people crave. The satisfaction that we find in God That's what's going to last us into eternity. There is an inner transforming joy that comes from knowing that we are loved and knowing that one day we will be with Jesus. We will be with God. We will be complete. Our bodies will be once again returned back to what we were designed to be. This is not the way we're designed to be. We live in a fallen world, including our bodies. our, Our bodies are talked about. 1 Thessalonians Talks about, oh, Paul talks about, oh, oh, listen, you get new bodies. I'm like, yes, no more creaking and, oh, my back and hurting myself because I went to sleep, right? I wake up in the morning, what did I do in my sleep? I hurt myself. This body goes away. This world is passing away. Here's the second blank for you to fill in. This world is corrupt. It's corrupt. I love this world, corrupt. It's eroding, right? The things of this world are never as good as they seem. 
And in order to keep our minds and our hearts and our bodies pure, we really got to understand and walk out the difference between what is right and what is wrong, specifically in a culture that says what is wrong is right. What is up is down. Our, our world defines things and they go, that's normal. That is not normal. No, no, no. The Bible says that's not the way we were meant to be. This world is corrupt. We can't find any satisfaction in it because its foundation is cracked. It's unstable. This world is unstable. We watch it. Oh, the economy's amazing. The economy's in the tank. Oh, things are great. My car's running great. My car's not running. You know, those kinds of things. The world uses sin to bait us right into hell. Sometimes, I want you to know, sometimes that hell starts right here on earth. I go, wow. We use the phrase, that guy is living a living hell. He's in a living hell. And choices, we've made choices that have been made for us, but our life is just not what God designed for us. But God desires to save us from that punishment called hell. And I want you to hear this. That saving starts in this lifetime as well. Just as we see people in a living hell, beloved, we can be in a living heaven right here. Heaven here on earth. Lord, Jesus taught us this prayer. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And I begin to live with a heavenly mindset. I begin to live this out. Here's your third fill in the blank. The world is deceptive. Man, they are trying to deceive us. It's a sales scam. (laughs) We know nothing's for free. Well, salvation is free. That's the only thing I've ever known, right? The world consistently over-promising and under-delivering every time. This is everything you'll get. And this is what I actually got. Like, that, that didn't really satisfy The world wraps sin up in this pretty packaging and we're so attracted to it and then we buy into it and then we open that box. And by the time we've opened that box, it's too late. We are addicted. Whatever that, I gotta have this. The world lies to us and quite honestly, gets us to destroy ourselves. Nothing's ever gonna satisfy us like God does. You know why? Because the world is so busy disguising sin as happiness, and sin just doesn't pay off. But God rescues us from ourselves. He gives us salvation, which is lasting, and again, a transforming joy. Here's another one for you to fill in. We are enemies of this world. What? I know, I know. I'm here to tell you, the world wants to turn us away from God. That is their goal. Why are you following the world? Again, read Daniel chapter one, two, three. Watch how the world is saying, no, don't think like that. No, you don't need to, God, oh, that's not important. But our loyalties, beloved, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our loyalties are to the kingdom, not to any earthly government, not to any system. Please hear this warning. I want it to be loud and clear. It will not be popular if you take this position. You will not win the popularity contest. If you're looking for approval and I just want people to like me, then Christianity is probably not for you. It got Jesus crucified. That system that he was bringing forward. Here's what happens. In John chapter 15, Jesus gives us a clue. 
He says, you know what? If the world hates you, I need you to keep in mind that it hated me first. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, and I've chosen you to come out of the world. That is why the world hates you. When Satan's tempting us, he's not interested in our well-being. Beloved, please hear this. We are enemies of the world. Here's why. Because we are children of God. The world doesn't get it. They go, that's the dumbest. Why do you do that? Why do you got to be like that? Hey, if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. I don't need this person. Because It's a personal conviction. It's like, ah, I feel bad because that person around me not doing what I want them to do. I see that most in the abortion industry of today. So many people say, pro-abortion, 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 because I had an abortion. And so you should be able to have an abortion so I don't feel bad on my own. James 4.4, 4, very clear, very clear. James says, friendship, the wor- friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. Whoa, <laughs> listen to what he says. James 4.4, 4, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. Well, here's, here's our last one, last one, last feeling. God is above all creation. God is above all creation. Oh, I'm telling you what, you just you take a look. Even in Southern California, I know, I know our hillsides are brown, but man, his creation is such a small fraction of his glorious display of who he is. But you go into the mountains and you see what's happening all around us. Nature is just beautiful. The number one reason why the world will never satisfy us like God can satisfy us is simply this. Nothing is greater than God. (laughs) Whatever you think is great, God is even greater. We desire the earthly, the natural, and yet you and I were made for the supernatural. God created so many things for our pleasure right here on earth for our pleasure. I know for me, and, I, and you've heard me, beloved, I've talked about how much I love water. I love the ocean. I love it in any form, frozen, liquid, whatever. I love the ocean. I love rivers. I love any kind of water. Get me in the water. I am happy to be in the water. And I think God made this for my pleasure. But can you imagine? Please, please understand, all of this was created for our pleasure to draw us back to him. To go, I made this for you. Oh, I'm so thankful. I don't want to give him thanks for it. Can you imagine God creating things just so it would ruin our lives? Hey, I'm going to create this gold so it will distract people from me and have them chase after this. I made diamonds. I formed the pressure on coal and put the pressure together to create this beautiful, clear piece of glass that people would forget about God, forget about me who created it, run after my creation and not after the creator. No, that, that's, that wasn't God's plan. He wanted to give us a transforming joy. I used that phrase before. He wanted to give us a transforming joy. And it comes from him because, quite honestly, nothing is greater. Nothing that the world has to offer is greater than what God is offering us, eternal life. And he's giving us every opportunity to know and acknowledge who he is, that he's the creator. He is the source of everything that we have. That's why we call him Lord. He is over all, in all, and through all. Look what Peter says. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord, he's not really being slow about his promise to return. He's coming back. 
No, he's not slow like some people think. Oh, man, God's never going to come back. Oh, yes, he is. No, listen to this. Here's why it seems like he's slow. Because he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Beloved, this is for us. Instead of searching for answers in this fallen world, we need to lift up our eyes and find them in the perfect God who created us. The best way to do that is to hold loosely to the things in this life that are not eternal. That is the best way to do this. I mentioned earlier, Matthew 16, 25, where Jesus talked about having a grasp on this life. If you hold white knuckle to this life, you're gonna lose it. But I wanna close with the promise in that verse. Jesus said, if you give up your life for my sake, that's where you're gonna save it. If you give up your life, you know, this is not my life, it's, it's God's life. Lord, you use it as you would. And as we surrender to God and hold our hands open, he is faithful to grab our hands and lift us up. Amen. He's gonna fill our hands with blessing in this life. But I will tell you what, the eternal blessings come in the next life, but the blessings do start here. But we gotta surrender, we gotta be willing to give up this life and to hold this life loosely. If you have been hearing this message this morning, you're thinking, oh, I don't know that I'm on that page. You can get on that page very easily. Very easily. Jesus said this, anyone who asks, I will come. I'm knocking on the door. I'm always knocking on the door of people's hearts. All they got to do is answer the door, open the door, and I will come and I will live with them. Remember when I told you the blessings begin in this life? That blessing starts by letting Jesus live, not just in me and with me, but through me. That's where the blessings start to flow. Same word, through. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, can I pray with you this morning, wherever you are? You might be in our courtyard this morning. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you just tuned in because someone on Facebook shared it as a live event. You're like, oh, well, I'm interested in watching that. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, oh, how he longs that you would return back to our original design, an intimate proximity in his presence. That's yours today. Simply ask. I, I want that. Let me pray. Father, for those who would be here this morning and, and listening to my voice saying, that's something I want. I want to be made right. I want my sin. Man, I have messed up my life. The best that I have to offer is still a screw up. But I want all that washed away. I want my sin taken care of. Will God take care of my sin? That's what the Bible promises. And in doing that, then Jesus, would you come and live in and through them? Holy Spirit, Jesus, that, 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 that's what you left to us, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you live through those who are praying right now as I'm praying? They're saying, Jesus, I need you to live through me to be more like you today than I was yesterday and more like you tomorrow than I am today. Let it be so, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Let it be done. 